my friends, when I look back upon the sins which I have committed, and when I consider the pains and torments which I ought to suffer because of them, I am filled with fear. And so, full of trouble and full of dread, at the thought of my perdition, I go seeking for comfort wherever I might find it. Oh, but wretch that I am, I find none. For I know well that I have offended not only my Creator, but together with him all his creation. And so my Creator, with all his creation, grievously offended by my sins, condemns me. My own conscience, knowing my evil deeds, surrounds me on every side with accusations. And so I find no comfort, and I don't think that I can easily have any. What then should I do? Where should I turn? I am left all alone, and the wickedness of my sins encompasses me. If I desire to return to him who created me right, and call upon his unspeakable goodness to have mercy upon me, then I am afraid that by daring to do so, I might make him angry at me. Then he might take more dreadful vengeance upon my sins because I had not feared to outrage his loving kindness. What then? Should I remain where I am, desperate and without help or advice? So far, my Creator has allowed me to live, and he has not stopped providing me with all the things I need to sustain my life. It is true that my experience suggests that my sins so far have not overcome his goodness to the point of him putting me to the confusion I deserve and utterly destroying me. Surely then, he is gracious toward me, since he gives me so many good things and he has not yet avenged himself on my sins. I have heard, and many who have experienced this witness that it is true, that he is the fountain of mercy which began to flow from the beginning of the world and is still flowing to this day. He was very merciful and gracious unto our first father Adam when he committed that sin of eating the forbidden fruit. For that, he did not condemn him to everlasting perdition straight away, which Adam deserved. But instead, he waited with patience for him to change. In his mercy, he helped him, that Adam might be able to return to the good graces of the one he offended. Many times, he sent his angel to him and to his children, warning them that they should return to him and repent of their sins because he would still receive them with joy if they would repent of their sins with all their heart. But they, continuing in their sins and despising his warnings, added sin to sin and became abominable in their wickedness. Being made in honor 
after the likeness of God, they began to live contrary to nature in the manner of brute beasts. And so God sent the patriarchs and he sent the prophets. But even then, they would not leave their crooked and perverse ways. Some of those who gave them wholesome warnings, they slew. Others they tortured with many strange torments. And God did chastise them from time to time as a merciful father. Not that he, being provoked by their evil deeds, might avenge himself upon them for their scorn of him, but that they, being corrected, might return to his mercy. By no means does God will the destruction of those he created in his own goodness. But, when neither for his frequent warnings or his frequent corrections would they return to him, the fountain of pity could no longer restrain himself. So coming down from the bosom of the Father and taking our humanity upon himself, that is, taking on the form of a sinner, he began to warn them in gentleness to repent of their sins for salvation and to acknowledge him to be the Son of God. For there is no sin so grievous that it cannot be taken away by repentance, so that even the devil himself can no longer remember it. And so the sinners, seeing the sweet gentleness of their Creator, begin to run passionately to the fountain of mercy, the fountain of pity, and to wash away their sins. The fountain of pity also himself began to eat and drink with sinners, began to open to them the sacramental blessings of holy confession. For in true confession, all stain of guilt is washed away. After this, as the time drew near for him to suffer for the redemption of sinners, the Jews, the people from whom he came, motivated by envy, crucified him because he was good and merciful. Nevertheless, even in the act of death, he did not forget his goodness, but instead he prayed to his father for his murderers that he might forgive them of this sin. For, he said, they know not what they do. The Lord does not will the death of a sinner, but rather that he should be converted and live. In his most sweet goodness, he makes excuses for them, whose heart is so hard and strong that this great kindness of our Creator cannot soften it. For when his creature, whom he had created after his own image and likeness, so greatly dishonored him, even then he did not avenge himself. Even though, dishonored and provoked by their many evil deeds, he patiently suffered them and gently encouraged them to return to him without delay. Therefore, the Lord Jesus Christ is good and gentle. As the prophet says, he does not will the death of a sinner, but that he should forsake his evil ways. And so, repenting of his iniquities, return to the favor of his creator, 
again, how merciful he is toward that soul that sins. He declares by another prophet, urging that even after sinning, it should return to him and find mercy. He says, you have played the harlot with many lovers. You that in baptism promised to be faithful to me have polluted your chastity with many lovers, but yet repent and return again to me, and I will receive you. Therefore, let no sinner despair, because no sin of ours can dry up, no wickedness pollute the fountain of pity and mercy, Jesus Christ, ever pure and welling forth. With the sweetness of his grace, he receives all the weak and sinful that return to him, and he washes them clean from all sins, no matter what they are stained with. And that all sinners and unrighteous men, if they only take care to lay aside their sins and to repent, may be assured that they do in truth receive forgiveness. He himself, the fountain of pity for the love which he had toward them, suffered in that very flesh which he took for their sakes to be nailed to the cross. They who were dead in their sins except in being redeemed by the price of his blood, had no other way of returning to life. When sinners look at the price which was paid for their sins, they cannot despair. So when I consider this great goodness of my Lord Jesus Christ, and how so many sinners run to the fountain of pity, and none are refused, but all are received, should I alone be without hope? Should I fear that the fountain of pity which cleanses others will not be able to wash away my sins too? I know it is true, and I do surely believe that he who cleanses others can cleanse me too. If he wills it, because he's all-powerful, he can forgive me all my sins. But there is a big difference between sinners. Some sin more and some sin less. And so I, considering how greatly I have sinned, and considering the terrible unrighteousness that pollutes my unhappy soul, I realize that I am not just like every other sinner, but I am even greater a sinner above all the others. For there are many who have sinned and then stopped sinning, some, even though they sinned often, did at some point stop doing their evil things. There are others who, even though they have done a great deal of evil, have also done a great deal of good. But I, miserable man that I am, a miserable sinner above all miserable sinners, perceiving and knowing the greatness of the destruction down into which my sin and the pleasure of sin was driving me, have still not ceased with my sins and wickedness, but have even added sin to sin. Of my own will, I have plunged myself to my sorrow into the perdition prepared for sin, and without the immeasurable goodness of the Lord bearing with me, I would long ago have been swallowed up by hell. So I then, who have lived this way, who have committed so much evil, 
How shall I dare to run with other sinners who have not done so much evil as me to the fountain of mercy? For perhaps so great is the stench of my sin that he will not cleanse me as he cleanses other sinners whose stench is less intolerable than mine. Help me, therefore, O Lord Jesus Christ. Help your creature, although overwhelmed by the greatness of his sins. Looking upon the work of your hands, help him, so that he does not despair. As we believe, no wickedness is so monstrous that it can prevail against you. If only the sinner will not despair of your mercy. Therefore, O Lord Jesus Christ, allow me to look upon your unspeakable goodness and declare how gracious and good you are toward miserable sinners. I have said it before, but it delights me so much to remember how great is the grace of your sweet goodness toward sinners. Not only of those who sin more or less, but even for those whose sin is beyond measure if they only repent. For the love of men and for their redemption, you descended from the bosom of the Father and entered into the womb of the Virgin and took on her true flesh. And by your words in the world, you called all sinners to repentance. And so dying according to the flesh, you restored them to life, which by their sins they had justly forfeited. And so when I look back on the evil deeds which I have done, If you would have me judge myself based on what I deserve, I'm convinced of my perdition. But when I consider your death, which you suffered for the redemption of sinners, I do not despair of your mercy. That robber who for his sins was crucified with you was always in sin up to the time of his departure out of this life. Yet because... In the very hour of his death, he confessed his sin and cried out upon his fault. He found mercy and was that day with you in paradise. Therefore, while beholding you put to death for the redemption of sinners, your hands and feet pierced with nails, your side opened by the soldier's spear and the stream of blood and water coming out of you, should I despair? There is but one thing which you want, without which no sinner can be saved. That is, that we repent of our sins. And so far as we are able, strive to amend our lives. If we do this, we are sure that we may, trusting in the unspeakable goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ, fear the accusations of our enemy very little or none at all having before our eyes the price of our redemption, that is, the death and blood of our Redeemer, which was shed for the remission of our sins, having also the example of the robber and of many others with multitudes of great sins, whom the fountain of pity, Jesus Christ, in his mercy freed them, let us not despair. Instead, let us run to the fountain of pity himself in sure and certain hope of obtaining the forgiveness of our sins there. 
where we see and acknowledge so many and great sinners to have been washed clean, let us assure ourselves that we in the same way can be washed clean by the same fountain of mercy. If only we abstain from our sins and wickedness and so far as we are able, strive afterward to do good. We are not able to abstain from evil and to do good by our own power without his help. Let us implore, therefore, his unspeakable mercy, who was pleased to create us when we did not yet exist. Let us implore that he may grant us in this life, before we leave it, to amend our lives and to cleanse them with earnest sorrow, so that at the end of this life, we might be able to come to him by a straight road with nothing hindering us so that we might be with him in everlasting glory with the choirs of angels and saints who already joyfully enjoy that glory without end. <laughs>